ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Negler's Never Right, the training camp edition. Training camp rolls on after the first week. Uh, we get a bit of a break here on Wednesday afternoon. No practice today, although we did just speak with a bevy of defensive coaches, Edgar Bennett, and then the man himself, Mr. Ted Thompson. Um, obviously, as you can imagine, scintillating as always with Ted uh, various ways of trying to get him to talk about when he may step down, prove uh, unfruitful, and um, he does his best to dodge our questions, including, uh, I thought, a good one from Michael Cohen, my colleague, asking if uh, you know why this team is sticking by Latroy Guyon. It would be great if you could just say that you know he's cheap labor, that they want to keep around in case of injury, but uh, he punted just as well as uh, Justin Vogel has punted in this camp so far but uh yeah so i thought i'd jump on here and talk to you fine folks i gotta say first of all thank you so much for downloading listening um streaming what however you're receiving this podcast into your ears it is greatly appreciated uh, i get so many nice notes uh, nice tweets i had a tweet earlier today wondering where the podcast was it's right here folks and uh, i thought i'd kind of look back over this first week of action and I wanted to start with something that Joe Witt Jr. said when we talked to him about the defensive backs earlier uh, this afternoon. Um, he was talking about Kevin King and the work he's done and how he said he was going to ask Aaron Rodgers to throw at him more. And I love that he said that because I think that's something that gets lost a lot of the time when fans are looking at coverage of training camp and what it is we are actually seeing and relaying to you. Um, especially in regards to team drills when they're going 11 on 11 whether it's you know two minute drill pass under pressure even uh, or just straight up team um, you got to remember there's other stuff going on than just what we're seeing on the football field there may be certain plays certain looks that they've asked to, uh, the offense to show the defense or vice versa um, dependent on what the coaches are trying to work on and obviously we're not privy to any of that information uh, that's all stuff that the coaches may be you know, talking about amongst themselves with each other. Uh, they may be talking to the players, certain players about it. Uh, but there's all sorts of things like that going on each and every practice that we are unaware of. So that's why I, I, I like that Joe Witt said that because it gives me a chance to remind people kind of here as we're kind of getting ready for the second part of training camp as we go to night practices starting tomorrow. Um, that when you hear so and so, you know the, the offense is doing really well, or the defense is doing a great job stopping them, etc. Just just always take that with a grain of salt because there's a lot of different kind of levels to how uh, the training camp practices are a put together, and then b what all the different factions in those practices are trying to accomplish. And that's not to say you can't watch a guy go one-on-one with another guy saying like a blitz pickup drill or even from scrimmage and you see a you know one of the rookie running backs say um get beat on a a pass protection attempt you know that's stuff obviously it's right there in front of you and it's it's hard to ignore it and that's the kind of stuff we try to report on but um I just like I said I was glad that Joe Witt brought it up because it's something to remember while you're reading listening viewing any of the coverage from us or anyone else in regards to training camp that's something to keep in the back of your mind um to that end kevin king it's interesting he he's kind of gotten a crash course here and the shoulder injury shouldn't keep him out too long that's the initial kind of 
kind of feel that I'm getting. But um, it's interesting that Kevin King has been thrown into the fire, so to speak, after missing you know, most of the offseason. Um, and he had looked good, but he hadn't been thrown at a whole lot. So it will be interesting to see if Rogers starts trying to find him. Um, the other takeaway from uh, Witt's press conference, at least, was how clear it is that uh, Quentin Rollins has entrenched himself firmly in front of Demarius Randall. Um, Witt went so far as to say he asked, when he knew King was going to be out, he asked Rollins where he wanted to play, whether he wanted to play inside or outside. And uh, Rollins' response was he didn't care. He just wanted to play, which is what you like to hear, I'm sure, as a coach. Um, but uh, So Rollins was there on the outside, and then Randall went into the slot. But that slot, well, what the Packers call the star position, that has been kind of Rollins' baby now for the last three or four practices. Uh, Randall had started there on day one, but it seems to be Rollins' uh, gig at the moment. Now, obviously, we could get into preseason games. Heck, we could get into family night on Saturday night, and things could change if Rollins performs poorly. But uh, right now, he, you know, by all counts, from what I've seen and from what the coaches are saying, he's having a very strong camp. Um, and that's what the Packers need. You know, it was never going to be just enough. And you guys know, we've talked about it here on the podcast all offseason. Um, it was never going to be enough of just adding a rookie corner and signing a veteran like Devon House. They desperately needed guys to kind of bounce back from last year, whether that was Randall and Rollins, uh, whether it's guys like Josh Hawkins, uh, who did not play particularly well when given the chance last year. You know, they need those guys to step forward. And Rollins most certainly is looks early on here to kind of be making that that kind of that step or that leap so to speak um the other thing we were talking to dom capers about which i found interesting is the you know the use of all these different body types personnel uh mixing and matching dom wouldn't go out so far as to acknowledge that it would definitely be matchup dependent in regards to playing the safeties down in the box playing them at the linebacker spot but he did say, you know, obviously you're playing a team, say, like the Cowboys, uh, that like have a big offensive line, they like to run the football, they're a power football team. Well, you got to be able to hold up in that regard, and that's when your linebackers are going to have to kind of play a little bit more there on the inside, most likely. Um, but, you know, with Josh Jones and his aggressiveness and his hitting, you know, who knows, maybe he'd be out there in, in that situation. Um, that was something else I did, I did ask uh, one of the coaches – who's going to be wearing the communications helmet this year? Because um, you remember at the beginning of last season, you know, I think I think we did a piece on the fact that Martinez, as a rookie, was coming in there and he was going to be uh, the – he would have the radio in his helmet. Uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, on the offensive side, the quarterback has a radio so he can talk to the play caller. Um, and so a couple yeah, – now it's been a while, but years ago they determined that it was unfa- an unfair advantage for the offense, so they gave uh, one player on the defensive side of the ball uh, a radio helmet. And with as much mixing and matching and uh, substituting as the Packers do, I just wondered, I was, how are you going to determine who gets that helmet? And uh, they said that they did it uh, pretty much every week they had a different guy with it on, dependent on the game plan and who they determined would probably get the most reps based on which personnel packages and uh, you know what, which types of schemes they were going to be using, which I would thought was interesting because I never even thought of it uh, last year. I just remember you know they said Blake Martinez was going to have it early in the year, and I said, 
wow, that's pretty impressive for a rookie. And then I just totally kind of let it go. And it turns out they were switching and mixing and matching every single week. So that'll be something I might kind of try and track this year. I just think it's I, I just think it's interesting. Although I'm sure the Packers won't give that information up, but I may try to you know get it through other channels as you were. Shut up, Nagler. You know you don't do any real reporting. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, all right, lost my mind there just for a minute. Um, but that's uh, that package that they're talking about where they're getting the safeties on uh, in place of linebackers. That's called their Nitro package, where they have three safeties. And if you want to learn more about it, I highly recommend reading Ryan Wood's piece at PackersNews.com. He put it up yesterday. It is beyond excellent, and it really does a good job of kind of laying out, um, you know, who and uh, why they're doing what they're doing there. Um, uh, speaking of pieces on PackersNews.com, uh, I would also suggest, highly suggest, uh, checking out Pete Doherty's column about uh, possible contract extensions. Now, in Pete's, uh, in Pete's piece, I think he talks about uh, getting HaHa Clinton Dix done as the priority. And as you guys know, if you listen to me here or follow me on Facebook Live, I tend to think Corey Lindsley is the guy that's going to get locked up first. And I know Pete talks about how you know his injury history may work against him in that regard, but I tend to think that that may help the Packers, and they may be able to get him on. I wouldn't say a cheap deal, but a hometown discount, maybe. You know, saying like, "Look, we're going to bet on you, but you're going to have to take a little less because we, you know, you haven't played uh, as many games as we'd really like you to." And now maybe they they wait till you know the start of the season, let him get into October, November, healthy, and then and then they get it done, but. I still think that that's, that's kind of the first guy that they look to because Adams, I, I think, is going to be is going to want a lot of money. That's just my hunch, and it, he deserves it after the year he had last year. There's no question. If he can rep, start replicating that throughout the season, it's going to it's going to be hard. Uh, that's that's going to be a tricky one. And then with Ha Ha Clinton Dix, they you know they've got that fifth year option, so there's no hurry there. There's essentially two years left on his deal. So to me, that's kind of where I'm. But make sure you read Pete's piece because he makes. As always, really thorough arguments, really uh, kind of well-thought-out uh, reasoning for why he's uh, thinking the way he is, as opposed to myself, who I just babble into a microphone for you fine folks. Um, the other thing I was going to talk about was uh, training camp now obviously is here. We're a week in. Um, people always – I think I get this asked. I got asked this at dinner last night. Um, I was with my parents at Frank's Pizzeria with some friends some of their friends and you know inevitably I get asked about biggest surprises of camp and right now I got to be honest this is probably my answer until you know someone else kind of pops up but Joe Carriage this guy he looks like a starter that's how well he's playing that's how well he's doing in drill work Um, he has been lights out in every drill uh, in He's been just plowing open holes uh, when they do r- any kind of work in the run game, and that you know he's on the field. Uh, it's just he has been impressive. And while I, you know, he did play a few snaps uh, towards the end of last year, specifically I remember in the Detroit game, Week 17. You know, so there's there was a little tape on him, but I never saw anything that really kind of jumped out to me. But I tell you what, I, I guess a full off season, and you know, work on the. You know, all every aspect of his game, and 
just his ability out there. I mean, he made a catch the other day that was just incredible. Kind of it was thrown behind him, and he made an adjustment to the ball that was like receiver-like. Uh, this is a fullback, so I mean, it's going to be hard. I, I, I don't think there's any question that Ripkowski is their guy. They're at full at the fullback spot. You know, he's the guy they drafted, but Carriage is making going to make it tough for them to cut him. Uh, he's all over the field. He can help him on special teams as well. It's just. He's like the epitome of a you want to keep the best 53 guys, and he's going to make it hard for them to say anything other than, yeah, this is one of our best 53 football players that we have on our team. So if you're looking for a surprise of camp so far, I would say Joe Carriage for, for me. Um, the other guy that's kind of like stood out to me in the last couple practices was, um, was Jeff Gray, the uh, lineman from – Canada. And if you're not familiar with this story, um, make sure you check out Bob McGinn's piece on him. I think he did it back during the draft, or maybe just after the draft. But he, he did a great piece on him, uh, kind of on his background and how he ended up in Green Bay. And uh, yesterday in the half-line drill, he, he was, he was I'm pretty close to saying excellent. Like he was, every single rep he got, he, he, he locked on guys and I mean, I can only uh, only because I was looking at him specifically in this drill, and because I hadn't gotten a chance, much of a chance to watch him, uh, other than um, you know a few snaps here and there. But uh, he looks like the, he could be the real deal. Now it's very with the caveat, and it's the caveat for all of this is it's very very early. Um, I really like what they have there, and I tell you what, that's. That could be good news for the Packers, who desperately need depth along the interior. I mean, you guys know, you read about it, we've talked about it all offseason. Interior line depth has been kind of a big question mark heading into this season. And if they can find a player uh, in gray, that would be uh, that, that would be a big-time development um, for a team that you know doesn't really have either have much or know what it has in that regard. Um, and finally, I just wanted to kind of talk about, oh, look at that. I'm getting a phone call, but I'm not going to answer it because I'd much rather speak with you guys. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the quarterback play. And I asked Mike McCarthy, um, you know, about his backup quarterbacks uh, the other morning. And, you know, he gave, uh, you know, at first a perfunctory kind of 30,000-foot view uh, answer about how, you know, he's in the room with them the most and, he likes what they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. And then he did say, um, you know, if I were going, going to be critical, I would say, you know, we've got to work on getting the ball out faster in some of the pressure situations. And it's interesting he said that because I've noticed that without a doubt at this point, I think if you're looking at all the backup quarterbacks, Brett Hundley has more what I call red shirt receptions than any of the others. And what I mean by a red shirt reception is if you weren't if he wasn't wearing a red shirt if this was live tackling li- a live game he would have been sacked but instead because he's wearing that red shirt he's allowed to escape and move outside the pocket and then go find a receiver downfield and i i, I mean this is a very unofficial count but it, to my eyes it looks like Brett Hundley has had many more red shirt receptions than Joe Callahan or even Taysom Hill in you know, Hundley's defense, Taysom Hill hasn't had very many opportunities. So, um, 
Yeah, it's it, it really kind of stood out to me yesterday too, where Hunley's legs and the pass under pressure drill should be really live. Like the whole idea is that you're going to have pressure and uh, you're going to have to avoid it and keep your eyes downfield and find a receiver and make the throw. Uh, there were a couple times yesterday where the pressure is coming and the line is getting closer to him or whoever, and his legs just look dead. And he's, I mean, it's good that his eyes are downfield, but the whole point of the drill is to keep, you know, keep alive and get out of trouble and then make a throw. Um, and there was just, there were two reps in particular where his, his feet just didn't seem very live. And then he just kind of had to, he would have been sacked, but then he got out and made the throw. Whereas with Joe Callahan, his legs are really live every time, and he did he, on a couple of occasions. He did a great job of sidestepping the rush, keeping his eyes downfield, rolling to his right or his left. One in particular, he was rolling to his right and made a just a bullet throw to Colby Pearson, who was kind of crossing over the middle. And that's what you know more than anything that whole drill is about and is designed for. And I only bring it up because right now, I don't think it's. I think if you asked anybody who is covering camp right now, I think. Callahan has looked more in control and I'm not going to say more impressive, but he's just looked more complete and more solid in his game than Hunley has. Now, some of that is because, you know, Hunley, I'm sure, is, you know, kind of working with a mishmash of guys, but so is Callahan, you know. It's not like Callahan has a set group of receivers that he's throwing to every time. I mean, they mix and match every single rep almost. Um, But, and this is a big but, I keep thinking back to Brett Hundley's rookie year. Um, the first like ten days of that camp, he did not look very good at all. Um, I remember talking to a couple of people on the beat, and you know, a number of people saying, "Oh, they're going to have to redshirt this guy. Uh, you know, he's destined for the practice squad." And that was kind of the general consensus around him that first week of camp. And then the the games started the preseason games and that's when he really kind of took off that's when things really started to happen for him that's when he started making plays and making throws and adjustments and he really kind of came alive and I, I remember thinking by the end of camp he took one of the biggest jumps one of the biggest leaps I had ever seen from a player ever in any camp at any position um, from going from what looked like kind of you know I mean really like kind of just a practice squad guy at best to I really think we got something here this guy could be our our long-term backup now obviously last summer was supposed to be you know the summer where he played a bunch and he was going to be great trade bait and everything was going to be wonderful and then he got hurt multiple times and missed all sorts of time Uh, and we all know you know he ended up kind of not playing a whole bunch and barely played at all they desperately need him play in these preseason games and to acquit himself well you know if they're going to get the kind of you know return that they think they can get on this guy uh, in the trade market and I know my good friend Rob Domofsky reported during the draft that they had um, shopped him and they were close to trading him so you got to wonder can they get more than what you have to think the thinking behind not trading him was okay we can probably get more next summer um, that and they like him as their number two. But, you know, if he has a bad preseason, you know, all of a sudden that decision comes into question because maybe his value goes down. Um, 
this is a lot of ifs. It's a lot of you know speculation, obviously, but it's a very real kind of issue for the Packers when it comes to Hundley and his play and getting something for him because it's almost it's weird how it's kind of talked about. We talked to the coaches, we talked to Ted, we talked to whoever. It's almost like a foregone conclusion at this point. We talked to Brett at his locker about it. You know, like next year, you know, you're gonna probably be playing someplace someplace else, and everyone's just kind of, you know saying it like it's a given what happens if he stinks it up in preseason and no one calls next offseason I'm not saying that's going to happen but it's a possibility and then all of a sudden he has to play out that final year and you don't get anything for him or maybe you re-sign him to be your backup again I don't know but it just seems like that's a possibility that's not being talked about at all. It kind of seems like a foregone conclusion at this point that he gets traded, and he probably will. But there's certainly a scenario where no one calls for this guy if he stinks it up this summer. So no pressure, Brett. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, that's uh, just some thoughts, some things for you guys to chew over while uh, you're reading all the great coverage at PackersNews.com. So I hope you... Uh, enjoyed the podcast i hope you're enjoying michael cohen's podcast he's doing one daily every morning um make sure you're checking that out make sure you're checking out the morning buzz each morning so you're all caught up in what's going on with the team and all the great coverage from the guys at packersnews.com um i'll be here next week again i'm here all the way through camp so um get used to me <laughs> i guess uh, anyway thanks a lot guys thanks for listening thanks for downloading uh, thanks for following both you know here on facebook on twitter everything uh, I love all the interaction. Thanks a lot, everyone. Talk to you next week here on Nagler's Never Right.